Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From that cast creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to PDX Executive Podcast. Excited to have my next guest, John Maroney, who's a general partner for the Oregon Venture Fund on today. Hey John, thanks for joining. Hi, thanks for having me. So we, we were talking before we recorded, I've had you know some of your portfolio companies on, I've had Carl Cruz, who's part of Oregon Venture Fund. I thought it'd be great to have you on through these interesting times, <laughs> just get a landscape of what's going on here locally with startups. Um, uh, but also more about OBF. So I think I'd love to start just um, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your your role with OBF. Yeah, so um, so I actually, my, my, my history with OBF goes back to almost the beginning of OBF where I was an entrepreneur mm. um, pitching to OBF. I did not get funding from them. Um, <laughs> went on to sell my company and then joined as an investor in 2013. Okay. Um, really, because I wanted to understand how investors look at startups and and how that mindset happens. Because I came at it from the entrepreneurial side. Right. Um, joined, uh, really enjoyed it, and uh, and became a general partner um, starting in 2015. It's about five years ago. And uh, my role there is really working on um, is is uh, I guess my title is connecting and cultivating. Literally, that's what my card says, and that's yeah. what I do all day long. Um, uh, I talk to about 300 uh, startups a year, um, all Oregon-based. And uh, what I try to do is, you know, we're going to invest in five, probably okay. per year. Mm. Um, and but what I tell everybody is, you know, we want to be helpful. We're here to, you know, we see our mission as the Oregon Venture Fund to to um, convene and unleash the talent and the capital that we have here for the benefit of the next generation of companies. And how we do that is by connecting. Uh, people that are the business leaders who are our investors right. with the next generation of companies and as advisors. Um, sometimes people go on to join startups, um, join as board members, but it's really about that connection. And, yeah. and how do we how do we raise raise the water everywhere? So well we'll get into the model because I think the model you have is really interesting because I, I know some folks, you know, are involved in OVF and it really is that we're not just Put, write in a check as we're involved as advisors that and that is uh, really important. So I want to talk about that. But let's talk about the kind of cultivating part. Like huh? you said, you're talking to a lot of folks. Um, a lot of these really pre-revenue, probably, I would think beyond the idea stage. But um, where do you where are you finding uh, these folks folks to talk to? What are some of the avenues, and not just in Portland, but around the state? I would love to learn about that. Yeah. So. Um so, so understanding the organization a little bit, we have 180 investors 
who are all business leaders, 90% of them have run or started a business and they're here in Oregon. And so that network actually provides, uh, we just did analysis, it's about 60 to 70% of all of the, the deal flow that we look at that, uh, that goes on to be investments um, is, comes from those people. So they, part of what we're doing is training them on, you know, they've got tremendous expertise on their vertical and then we are helping think about it from an investment angle Um, and when we marry those two things together we really start to be able to say oh yeah this is the kind of company that can really scale fast and they're at the right stage Um, and so a lot of that comes from there Um, i prior to march attended a lot of events (laughs) and uh and (laughs) yeah and um and and i think we'll talk about that a little bit later probably but that's one of the things that's changed in the marketplace now Um, but a lot of it is is people reaching out. It's pretty, you know. I'm, I try to be really accessible to people, and uh, my my email is on the website. <laughs> you can find me. <laughs> and uh, and uh, our the our partners that are attorneys that are helping businesses get started um, around the state. There's um, the people like Brian Vieira at um, Central Oregon and Bend on the on, in Edco uh, is a great resource for sending companies to us that, hey, he knows what we're looking for. He's part of our group and, right. and has a good sense of how to, like when companies are appropriate for us to take a look at. Got it, yeah, and, and, and you know, one thing people always say about Portland, and I think it's really true, is we're all like one degree away from knowing yeah. everybody in the business yeah. community in a lot of ways. So I can see that being really powerful, but at the same time, a little over overwhelming as well. So um, how has OBF evolved? And I, I mean that by just the structure, because we, if you look at other venture capital firms, they've kind of transformed from just like, again, writing a check, but really almost like a full service mentoring, helping people get talent. Is that part of what you do or? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, if you go all the way back, we, when, when I pitched to Oregon Venture Fund, it was called the Oregon Angel Fund at the time. Um, they invested about a million dollars a year. There was 37 people. Um, the average check size would be $200,000. And, um, and what's happened over the last 10 years, and that's really grown. So this year we'll invest about $15 million, um, 180 members. And with that, we're, we're doing more of like you said, so we're, we have, um, so in addition to myself, there's, there's, uh, five of us general partners. Um, we have a full-time person now, Matt Compton, whose job is to, is portfolio success. Mm. And what does that mean? That means how do we help uh, help them with recruit? How do we help the companies with recruiting, with strategy planning, uh, with finding customers, with, and I'd say a lot, of, we do a lot of that kind of, um, a lot of recruiting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and people looking for jobs know to come to find us. You want to work with startups. We have the network and we've, we, we are constantly working with our companies to say, hey, what, what kind of talent do you need and how can we help you find it? Right. And I mean, I think, you know, Matt, who I, I maybe met once, but I mean, he's really well known here for companies he's been a part of be- before. So that's mm-hmm. great to have someone yeah. that plugged in and connected. And I would think that would be a big draw for people wanting to uh, go with OVF be, be, uh, beyond just uh, the, the funding. So um, where are we at now? <laughs> Things have changed. I mean, we yeah. can get into the event part of it. I mean, my world, as I was telling you, was a lot of events. Yeah. We're obviously doing connecting and, and, and events a lot virtually. Has that been better, worse, different? Have you invested in people you've never met before in person? I, I'm curious. Um, we 
have not yet invested in someone we haven't met in person. Um, I'd say most of the companies that we invest in, we've, that's part of my role is to get to know them way, way before we're going to even take a serious look at investing. Right. Um, and so um, this year we haven't had, an, we haven't needed to, we've, we've met everybody that we've done investments in. Um, we are investing at, at a, I mean, this will be our biggest year, 2020. Um, uh-huh. I expect 2021 to be an even more active year. Um, and um, I'd say some of what's evolving around the Oregon Venture Fund that we're seeing this year, and I think the company crystallizes this year, uh, we have, we're doing more um, reinvestment in our existing companies. Mm. And so uh, we started that trend. And so typically we'll do, typically our sweet spot for doing investments today, like just going back, we were, we were doing 300,000 when I pitched. Yeah. Um, now we're typically doing a million to 2 million per company. Mm. Uh, we'll do three of those. We'll do three seeds at half a million dollars and we'll do three follow-ons. Um, okay. This year we probably did four follow-ons and four core investments. Um, actually we'll do four seeds, I think, and four follow-ons. Uh, so it's, it's evolved into as, the ecosystem here has evolved. We're we are continuing to evolve too. We're we're getting in at companies that are a little bit more mature, I'd say, um, and yeah. at a and definitely at a spot where they're ready to scale versus at a very seed early stage point. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've seen so far this this year, what's happened is you know come March, uh, you know, we finished that. We had we actually had a really strong Q1, and we that hung over into Q2 as we finished up a couple of the deals we had started okay. um, in some pretty exciting companies. Uh, and then we saw things just sort of just stop for a while. And you know, my advice to founders at the time was, listen, this you know it's it's April, May, June. Now's not the time to be raising money. Um, now's not the time to try to grow your to go get new customers focus all your energy on making a great product that, that in improving your product and making your foundation really strong and making sure that the customers you have love, love your product and are really love you as a company and are really feeling cared for. Did they heed that advice? Yeah. 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 Most of them did. I, I, well, I know that because we stopped seeing a lot of companies coming in for fundraising. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and that, and that's normally, we see a normal slowdown in the summertime uh, that just happened it started in, in April and May. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, um, come about August, it picked right back up again, like a normal year would be. And so, Mm -hmm. um, what I'm seeing is companies, uh, that were on a path in February, they put that path on hold to go focus on customers and building products. And then, and now they're like, Hey, so we figured out a path, how we can be successful during COVID and we're going to be successful afterwards. And here's how that all works out. Um, and those are the companies that we're starting to see now, um, coming back saying, Hey, we're in a much stronger position actually, um, because of that. And I don't, and I, and those are the companies we're seeing now. I, um, I'm starting to see the inklings of what we're going to see next year in the mm. first half of next year. And I think that's going to be pretty exciting because we're going to see new solutions to new problems, right. Mm-hmm. And how do we solve some of these? And it's not the reactive, like, Oh, we need, PPE and how do we get more of that? It is, okay, the world works in a different way now. And how do we create technical solutions to those things? What are some of those things you can share or some of those problems? Or, I mean, I think that's, um, you know, we're, we're seeing that. And I'm just curious to see how how many of them are going to be long, 
long term versus like you said, just the reactive kind of right, things right. popping up. Yeah. I mean, I think we're starting to see more of the um I mean, the initial, some of the initial things that were like, they've just got a huge kickstart was there's a great um, uh, food delivery service called Milk Run. Yeah. Uh -huh. that connects local farms and you just order your food online and it shows up on Thursday. It's, it's awesome. Um, they saw, I mean, I think their, their business was up 5X in one month. Um, wow. And, and I think that that will, some of that will continue how much we don't know, but like you get that convenience going of like, well, why would I, <laughs> why? Right. I like yeah. getting my food from local farmers. I'm going to keep doing that. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's so, been interesting to see and sorry to interrupt you, but just like when I look at my family's own buying behavior for things like that. And at first you're like, all right, you know, I'm just going to do this um, for the, these few months. We thought it would be, <laughs> I was wrong, but um, how, how well some of those things work and now how we're looking beyond I'm um, just like the, 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 grocery pickup or, or yeah. on the, the bigger kind of change to smaller solutions like this. And it's really exciting actually and convenient. Yeah. And I'm starting to see more, you know, the, it's like solving some of those types of problems. So there's a company in town that is working on a solution so that if, you know, you're going to Costco, you could actually pick up an order and bring it to your neighbor if you're over here. And how do you connect all of that up so that, no, you're not a professional delivery driver, right. but yeah. You know, you can get it and Costco is willing to give you a discount because they just want to move the things out. Right. And so how do you connect all of that up? Um, we're seeing, you know, another interesting one that I saw that's pretty nascent is, um, is around, um, uh, around ordering for, you know, instead of using uh, Grubhub and um, Postmates, you know, how do you order takeout directly from a small restaurant? Um, and allow them to manage it themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And that's going to completely change the workflow mm -hmm. of how their of how their of how the restaurant works. And that's not going to go back once it changes. Yeah, <clears throat> mm -hmm. we see uh, um, one of our companies is called the it's called the Perfect Company um, okay. over in Vancouver. Um, uh, my daughters always refer to them as the perfect people, uh, <laughs> and uh, they're great. And um, they are building uh, sort of in wall pickup counters for uh, quick service restaurants, hmm. for dormitories, where the food comes in, what like you're ordering it. And it's like, yeah, your food's in bin 17. You type the code, bin 17 opens and it's there. And the cafeteria workers on the other side are putting it in. So it's completely contactless. Huh. Um, and they're seeing a huge uh, demand both from, you know, initially you'd be like, okay, so I can get it from a fast food standpoint. Right. Um, and then you start thinking about college campuses and how they're going to deal with things. And that's sort of their next wave of where they're going with things. And well, what's interesting is, I mean, the knock on the, the invest, well, this is maybe the legacy investments here is, is that a lot of it's been very B2B, you know, um, come from, you know, spawn out of Intel or things like that. But so some of the things you're describing is it's consumer oriented and it, it's shifting that way. So it's, is, yeah, yeah. I think there's, um, yeah, I think 15 years ago, yes, every, like the, the tech community, the yeah. startups were spin outs of coming, pe people coming out of Intel, people coming out from mentor graphics, yeah. um, uh, and those types of companies. And we're not seeing that. Yeah. I think we're seeing a lot more B2B2C solutions. Yeah. So okay. it's, it's, you're selling to the restaurant, but it's helping the consumer. Right. Um, and so I sort of, I, I, 
we're seeing a lot more of everything I'd say right now. Um, Interesting. And I think that's great. You know, I yeah. think we've got more, you know, one of the things that happens in the ecosystems is you've got, yeah, entrepreneurs tend to come out of certain companies. And I don't, I, I, I kind of want to do a research project on this one day because there's certain companies that spin out entrepreneurial people mm. and they get to a certain size and they either get sold or they, they get, you know, they're, they're merging to someone else and then they, the people disperse mm. and some companies there's no entrepreneurs that come out. Like for whatever reason, the culture didn't hire and cultivate that entrepreneurial spirit. Others that happens and there's 10 new companies that get started from the alumni of that company. It's Can like, you name some of the ones, uh, recent ones? Yeah, there's, um, uh, um, oh. like, like Elemental, would that be? Or yeah, yeah, Elemental's a great one. Yeah. Um, JAMA, we're seeing people coming yeah. out of JAMA as well. I think those are the top top two that I'd say at the moment. Um, I think uh, Luke at Puppet also did a good job of, of cultivating that um, a little bit more on the deeper engineering side. So we're starting to see some of those people coming out now. Hmm. Um, there was a company that was probably five years before all of those ones sort of grew up um, and I just can't remember the name of it. Uh, um, Chris Marsh was the CEO and they, mm. they, that company, that, that club of ex alumni from there are everywhere. And, mm. and it's no surprise when they pop up and you're like, Oh, of course someone from, <laughs> from that company is there. So <laughs> you should do a research project on that. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's, I don't know. And I wonder what, like, is it a very intentional thing by the CEO to, that they're nurturing and they're like, they want to, it's part yeah, of their yeah. legacy is that they see themselves spawning people that are going to go off and start new companies or as opposed to a CEO, it's like, no, no, we're going to be successful and I'm going to drive this company to be successful in and of itself. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That would be interesting. And I, I mean, anecdotally, I, I, I see that just some of the people I talk to here locally, but I, there is something to that. So, well, we've, we've talked about, I mean, you're having a good year next year looks good but there's also a side of it there is some pain for some comp startups mm -hmm. right so oh, can, yeah. can you talk about that and in, in this year some i don't know if it's by industry or who they you know i'm just curious on that side of the things because it's it's been rough for for certain sectors yeah. of the economy uh, no doubt. yeah yeah yes and we have i mean our companies you know so we spent all, you know all of april and may going triaging with all of our companies. We have a lot of tech companies. And so we're about 60% tech, 20% medical and 20% consumer. Um, the companies that clearly, uh, you know, took the biggest hits were be people that are, you know, have you know, salt and straw, for example, yeah. where you've got 15 stores is a, is a, is, it was the most dramatic, you know, we're shutting down 15 stores and laying everybody off until we figure out what's going on. Yeah. Um, What's amazing is that um, a lot of those entrepreneurs are super resilient and they've come up with plans and they've figured out how to move forward. It looks very different, um, but it's, it's, they've, they've figured out a plan. They, they're, they're, they're working a way around it. Um, yeah, I think that the industries that are anything retail focused where it's, where it's experiential, um, where it's like, it's about you going to the shop and browsing. These are, these are, hit really hard right now. Yeah. Um, and the ones that are, you know, we've got a couple that are sort of 
telemedicine and, and remote learning and remote meetings, those things have done, those things have seen a tailwind from, from COVID. Right. Um, and then other things like, you know, that hiring platforms for, you know, is another hard one to be right now, just cause mm. you know, if you laid people off and you're rehiring again, you know who you're going to go to probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been tough. I mean, the resilience piece, it's, you know, something everybody's been talking about and it's, a, a word that comes up, but I think it's a lot deeper um, than just like the uh, traditional sense. When you think of it, you have to have this community surrounding you to really dig in. And I think that's what's special maybe about Portland or our or state in general with how close knit kind of some of the business community is. So I would think that has been a, a huge help for some of your companies that are at that kind of inflection point. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's, I think you've hit on it there, the community, and it's not just the community outside the company, it's the community inside the company is mm. that, you know, see so like, listen, here's what we're going to have to do. And we're all going to suffer. We're all going to, you know, we're going to all take pay reductions until we can figure this out. Yeah. Um, and everyone is like, yep, we're all in this together. Let's make it happen. Yeah. And uh, well, a couple more things before we go, John, I'm curious, just um, for people who are starting a company now or, want to reach out some advice to them but also when you look back i mean the economy was on fire right mm -hmm. before all this happened it was just insane and um some people looked at entrepreneurship of just the glamorous part you know I, i'm reading billion dollar loser right now have you do you know that book is about no. the, it's it's a profile of we work and um the founder and it's just <laughs> crazy <laughs> and it's just like the growth at all costs the blitz scaling that kind of thing um what's uh, what's your advice to maybe people looking and the, the approach maybe they should take as far as to growth and just uh, starting a company yeah so i think we have a little bit of a different approach in oregon um you know you think about um the, the even the the venture industry where we're in, you know, if you're in the valley, you're yeah you're going to lose eight to ten companies you invest in. You're going to shut down in two years, and that's just not how we approach the world at all. Um, you know, we've 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 only lost a couple of companies out of the sixty some that we've invested in, and um, and we and it's just a different approach. We're we're trying to build the economy of Oregon to withstand the next, you know, the next recession that happens, you know, and I, one of the things we have is a, is a 50 year plan for, mm. for a venture fund. And our, one of the things like that, how do you judge success? And I always said, my, my judgment of success will be when the New York times article comes out in 10 years that, you know, major recessions hitting the whole country, you know, Oregon's hit a lot less because of the resilient, diverse economy they had to start yeah. like if, if that article comes in the newspaper I, i'm I, i'm gonna i'm gonna say we won <laughs> well i mean that's um that that's something i love about oregon and, and that redefining of what success means it's like you're not like you said in valley it's 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 a little different there's obviously a lot more capital there uh currently but it's not um growth at all costs and you know eight of the ten people it's like it, someone like a mitch from built oregon mm -hmm. wrote a really great post about kind of redefining what that looks like. If, if yeah. you can employ 50 people um, and it's a sustainable business and it's not a billion dollar business, that is success in our local economy. So um, I, I love that approach. And I think where, where we look at, and we work closely with Mitch on a lot of yeah. stuff and um, I'm on the board at 
Oregon Entrepreneurs Network, OEN, okay. and we work closely with Bill yeah. on this stuff. Um, the, you know, we're, we're wanting to scale companies, but we're not, we know that it's not necessarily going to be a billion dollar business. That's, right. you know, we, we, but we measure the things that we measure are, yes, we, we measure enterprise value. We're at, you know, $2 billion of new value created with companies. We measure how many people are, we have 4,500 jobs across our companies. Like we are measured those types of metrics because they're important for what we're doing over the long term. And I do, and I think talking about it's really important mm -hmm. because it shows sort of where your values are too. Absolutely. Well, as we kind of wrap up, I always like to ask about Portland and, and Oregon and um, some of the challenges and maybe some, you know, I don't know how involved uh, OVF gets in policy and working with the state and just um, things like that. What, not to dive too much into that, but what are what are some of the challenges for like we might have in the state as far as new, growing new companies, um, any restrictions we have, if any, and maybe we we don't. Maybe it's a great place to start a business, but I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts. Yeah. Um uh, we don't get into policy. Um, we're, we're an investment firm. Um, our, our, our goal is to, is to, is to make money from investments, um, and by investing in the local startups. Um, uh, you know, so what I, I'd say, what I've seen more and heard more from investors is, you know, I, I hear of some of our investors that are moving out of state and they're, they're, you know, they've been successful entrepreneurs, uh, and from a tax standpoint, they're like, I, it's, you know, Portland now has some of the highest taxes. So how do we, you know, so I think there's a balance that needs to be struck around. How do you support those local businesses? Um, I think there's clearly some tensions between sort of where the, the one generation wants to bring the Portland and where the other generation wants to sure. keep Portland. And so um, that's going to have to get worked out at some point. Um, yeah. But I think there's more dialogue around that. And I think we're in a in an organ, we're in a place and in a city where people do want to talk about things and try to figure out ways forward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's a, it's a good answer. It's diplomatic. I don't want to get too much into that as well, but, <laughs> and, and then I think it's, you know, something we, we need to talk about is what's OVF doing um, to find and just cultivate underrepresented, underrepresented founders and access to capital. I mean, there's a lot of great things going on in, in Portland, Oregon for, for different smaller kind of firms, but I'm curious what, uh, what, what your plan is or some of the things you've done already. Yeah. So, um, so on the portfolio side, uh, we, we, this is one of the things that we track. We, um, we, we've got, uh, about a quarter of the portfolio that has been founded by people of color. And, um, we've got about, and then with women, it's about 30%. So we've, we've got diversity on the, we've got some diversity on the portfolio side. Um, it's on the investor side. If you came to our meetings, it would not be a very uh, <laughs> diverse place. Um, and so we've uh, actually have explicit goals this year on how do we, you know, how do we add and how do we recruit and make sure that we're being welcoming to people who want to invest and, and making sure that we're making the table look different. So on a, right. I mean, probably the best, and we've done it, I think we've done it, this has been a three or four year project now. Um, we, I, the last, in-person meeting we had, we had about 60 investors there. And, um, it, and I always look at them at the room and it was sure. the first time that it was, it was 
50% women in the room. Mm. Um, and, and it's been creeping up from in you know, 30% to 50%. Right. And I was like, Hey, this is great. <laughs> and, and then we don't have any more in-person meetings. Um, yeah. but we need to do that from a, from a, a, a diversity standpoint as well. And mm-hmm. so we're, um, actively working on that from a recruiting. And, and I think that my feeling is that if we can get a more diverse investors, since the investors are driving the entrepreneurs to us and saying, hey, you should look look at talking to Oath, that's going to drive even more diversity into our portfolio as well. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, we, I mean, we work, uh, we, part of, you know, that connecting and cultivating is getting that 180 out into the community so that they're more accessible to people and we can put, make that network available to, to more and more people. And so, right that's kind of what you know, we, we do events. Like we did a, a pitch event the other night with PDX women in tech mm. um, had about 15 of our entrepreneur or 15, eight entrepreneurs, 15 investors. And it's really about just like opportunities for serendipity is what I call Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Letting yeah. people talk and see where they can help each other. Yeah. That's great, John. Well, Hey, thanks so much for your time. And I'm, you know, I love seeing startups in, uh, in our region grow. And I, like I, told you I've interviewed several of them and looking forward to touching base with more. So thanks so much, John. Yeah. Thanks for having me. The PDX executive podcast is a production of that cast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com, And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.